Good morning, and thank you for joining us for our online worship service today for Broadway Baptist Church. Thank you for your continued faithfulness uh, through this time. I'd like to open our service by reading from the Word of God from Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose trans transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Please join me as we worship the Lord this morning. Well, good morning. I'm David Dale, and I'm Minister of Music here at Broadway Baptist Church. We just heard from Zach Bauer. Thank you so much for joining our online service. We are delighted to have you with us this morning. You know, I would encourage you, if you are watching this morning, you can message us through Facebook. Just go ahead and send us a message that we'll know you're watching. If you have a question or something you'd like for us to contact you, perhaps, you let us know. We'd be glad to know that you're watching. One of the benefits of this period of time that's been so unusual in our church, we've actually had more people watching online than we normally have in church. And so it's been, been an exciting time in that regard. Our finances have been really strong as well. So God has taken this unusual period of time to bless. And we are blessed to be a part of Broadway Baptist Church. We look forward to the day, and it's coming soon now, when we'll be able to worship together again. I'd invite you to join us in singing this morning. We have Jean over here and Janine and Vivian. They're going to help us sing the hymn, Take the Name of Jesus With You. Oh, how sweet, 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 oh,
Chandler is going to come and he's going to sing a song I know you'll love, I Know Who Holds Tomorrow. I don't know about tomorrow, I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from its sunshine. For its skies may turn to gray. I don't worry o'er the future, for I know what Jesus said. And today I'll walk beside him, for he knows what is ahead. Many things about tomorrow. I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. I don't know about tomorrow, it may bring me poverty. But the one who feeds the sparrow is the one who stands by me. And the path that be my portion may be through the fire or flood. But his presence goes before me and I'm covered with his blood. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand But I know who holds tomorrow And I know who holds my hand Amen. Thank you so much, Brother Herman, for sharing that with us this morning. You know, I want to share a little bit about our offering time. Normally, we take an offering in a live service, and that's not possible, obviously, online. But as I mentioned earlier, our giving during this period of time has been really good. And we thank you for giving. I'm going to ask the guys to put on the screen our text-to-give number. Uh, you can text-to-give uh, through this number. It's very easy to do. Many, many people are doing that now. There's been a huge increase in that during this period of time while we've not had live services. So if you'd like to share with text to give, of course, you can also mail a check to the church office or whatever. But we're glad that you're giving and that you're staying so financially uh, faithful uh, during this period of time. Several months ago, uh, actually a while back, we sang, a, the choir sang a song called Redeemed. And I mentioned a week or two ago about Fanny Crosby, one of the great writers of hymns of our century. 
last century, actually. Uh, and then a couple of years ago, we had a guy named Stan Pethel who came and did a composer weekend for us. Stan Pethel took one of Fanny Crosby's hymns and made it into a great arrangement called Redeemed. We're going to share a video of our choir singing that hymn just recently as we did it in one of our services. So here is Redeemed as our choir sings it. Thank you for listening to that. Our quartet's going to sing now. We'd like you to join with us as we sing Marvelous Grace, Grace Greater Than Our Sin, and then we're going to also sing Amazing Grace with an alternate tune. So I'd invite you to worship and continue singing in your homes with us.
dark is the stain that we cannot hide. What can avail to wash it away? Look, there is flowing a crimson tide. Whiter than snow you may be. We're going to share a video. Many of you remember, I'm sure, uh, the Singleton family, Patrick and Amy and Eli, have sung in our traditional service many times. This morning, Scott Collins has helped Eli record a song, and it's called The Darker the Night, The Brighter the Light. You're going to enjoy this video in preparation for the sermon this morning.
Well, welcome. Hopefully everyone can hear me okay. So uh, we're so glad you're here. Uh, I want to give you a couple of uh, uh, bonus uh, things before we uh, turn our Bibles. But if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles, I hope you gather around the computer there, the TV at home. You know, Facebook has an app. If you have a smart TV, you can download the Facebook app and actually watch Facebook videos, even live. So even if you don't even have a Facebook account, you can watch this broadcast right there on your TV like it's on regular TV with that. But uh, I do, go ahead and grab your Bible, turn to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 1. A couple of things uh, there online, like David Dell mentioned, um, I do hope uh, someone has shared a link to give. Uh, God has certainly been blessing our church financially. What's it been, seven, eight Sundays since we've had uh, folks in the pews? Governor Bashir has said on Wednesday, May 20th, churches are allowed to meet on a, on a limited basis, allowed to f- have folks come in the, in the building as well as we'll have to be practicing social distancing. So uh, that uh, more details as we get closer to that, more details c- come out about how, how to uh, figure all of that out. It'll be, be unusual, I'm sure. But so I did want to give that update. Also, um, uh, not only do you want to give, but maybe someone could share the bulletin notes, the sermon, um, sermon notes as well. We have an online bulletin, so you can follow along here. There are five Sundays in May. We are beginning a sermon series on the book of Philippians. This past April, I hope you read the book of Proverbs, read a chapter a day. So you should have wrapped that up. I know there's 31 chapters in Proverbs, yet there's 30 days in April. So maybe May 1st you read Proverbs 31 or you read two chapters on April 30th, whichever one. But this month, I'm going to ask you to um, read along with the book of Philippians with me. I'll be preaching through it, different sections, and because I believe this is a, a, a passage, a timely book that's going to deal with us today. Also, David mentioned, too, that our number of viewers have actually increased online. And he's actually right. I was looking at the stats on it a few days ago. Do you know last week more people watched this online than they did on Easter? It's been our most viewed ever broadcast. So, uh, and I want to tell you why that's possible. That's because you share it. So if you're listening to this live right now, you need to click share. I got a hold of my phone back from Daniel Jr. And I clicked share. So you, that way, the, that's how we're doing our evangelism outreach. And I want to tell you why it's important, too. A lot of folks, they might not be watching it live right now, but they'll go back this afternoon, this evening, and they'll watch the broadcast. Uh, maybe they're asleep right now on Sunday morning, but they'll wake up hopefully sometime today, and they'll say, hey, it's Sunday, it's the Lord's Day. I need to be in God's house, even if it's a digital house, and they'll be able to watch that broadcast. But that's possible because you share the you're able to share that. So your sharing is essentially if you putting a yard sign up in your front yard or you inviting your neighbor or your co-workers to church. So I want to encourage you to do that and um, help get the gospel out even on the Internet, even on this uh, season of isolation and social distancing. But I do. I believe this is a message here that is going to speak to you because here's why. This book, I believe, is so timely. Paul 
There's 27 books in the New Testament. Paul wrote 13 of those. Now, of those 13, four of them he wrote while he was in prison. They're called the prison epistles. It's Ephesians, Galatians, Colossians, and as my pastor growing up said, Philemon. I see that word and call it Philemon. But those are what we call the prison epistles. And those were written while Paul was sitting in a Roman jail and possibly under house arrest as well. He had a Roman guard. Literally, he was chained up. Now, he was allowed to have some visitors from time to time for a brief, brief amount of time. And what he would do is he would write a letter to these churches, and then that visitor would take the letter and go spread it among the churches. Now, Philippians is an unusual book for a couple of reasons. And I believe of all the books that he wrote, it's most timely to this period of social distancing and isolation. Because in all of Paul's other letters, his 13 he wrote, he's always trying to rebuke bad teaching or he's rebuking bad behavior. But listen, David, in the book of Philippians, he does not do that. This is considered the book of joy. He never rebukes the church in Philippi, ever. And I want to tell you about the church in Philippi. Church in Philippi is important. We are what we call Western Christians. Do you know why we're Western Christians? If you're a Christian and you live in the, the West here. Because what happened was, in the book of Acts chapter 16, Paul received something called the Macedonian call. Turkey is part, that's back in Bible times, that was called Asia Minor. That's part of what we call Asia. But if you cross the Aegean Sea, you enter into Europe. Well, Paul wanted to go north into Turkey, go north into Asia. But he had a vision of a man telling him, hey, come over to Macedonia. Come preach the gospel over here in Europe. So he boarded a ship and he sailed over to Europe. The first church that was planted on European soil, and you know, Paul came all the way through Europe. Europe is a Christian continent. Now, I know it's now very post-Christian. There might not be a lot of Christianity left in Europe, at least biblical Christianity. But at one point, do you know we as believers here in America, the pilgrims came over from the Mayflower spreading the gospel, giving us the freedom for religious liberty. So you can worship, I guess, in your home or in a sanctuary soon. You have the freedom to be able to come worship the Lord. That is because Paul came into Europe, the Macedonian call, and then the gospel spread from Europe into the United States. The first church he planted was the church in Philippi. And that's when he wrote the book of Philippians. He's writing to that church. And I want to tell you, the church in Philippi was not a problem church. They didn't have the gossip. They didn't have the immorality. They didn't have the bad teaching. You know, he planted it, and it was a good Bible-teaching, Bible-believing church. And it was also a very generous church. They supported his ministry, Paul's ministry. They were financially generous and faithful in their giving. 
So when we read these words this entire month and we read this letter from Paul, we're going to be thinking about why he's he's so excited. Why is, remember, this is a guy sitting in jail. He's locked up and he's writing a letter of joy and excitement. Do you know if probably if you were in jail, some of you might feel like you're in jail right now in your house. If you were uh, locked up, in isolation, you would probably be thinking, I need an attorney. I need somebody to get me out of this. I need some representation. Like, the attitude, we might become defensive with a, with a posture of, uh, I'm innocent. I'm getting out of this circumstance. If you ever talk to somebody in prison or jail, they want one thing. You say, what do they want? They want out. That's the goal when you're in jail. You want out. But we're going to see here, that's not what Paul had. Paul had a passion of encouraging the church that he planted there in Europe. The very first European church. So I want you to open your Bibles. Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. And we're going to call this isolated. This is Paul finding himself isolated and alone. And look at the words of encouragement. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for for all of you in every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion into the day of Christ Jesus. That means what Jesus starts in your life. What Jesus saved you. When Jesus came and breathed new life into your life, He does not leave you. He does not abandon you. He continues it on. The gospel, that church did not die out. It continued on. Even while Paul, the church planner, he had a longing affection for that church. He was wondering, I wonder how they're doing as I sit here in jail. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way because of all of you, because I have you in my heart, and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, okay, here's his prayer. I want you to really look at these last three verses we're going to read. So what he's doing, he's writing a prayer for the folks there at that church. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and in every kind of discernment. That means he already knew, hey, they're a loving church. They're a discerning church. Discernment meaning they're not falling into sin. They're not getting trapped up into habitual sins that maybe some of the other churches, especially church in Corinth, that he had planted. They had the spiritual gift of discernment. Spiritual gift of discernment is something you should be praying for God to give you. Even in this period of isolation. And we're going to answer some questions here in a little bit. About here, week seven, week eight, how has God 
used you? How have you grown during this period? How has the Lord changed you? Because you read these words here, this does not sound like a man sitting in a jail cell. Look at verse 10. So that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Do you know the one word that stands out? Chris, we flip back to verse 10. Look at verse 10 up here. You know, I read these verses here. The one word that stands out, especially in a period of, of isolation, is a superior. Paul's encouraging this church. Paul's encouraging the people there. Paul's encouraging you that you live a superior life. Even amidst distancing, even amidst isolation, even when you're alone, lonely, just you're out, you feel like there's no one around. Everything has changed in your world. But God is saying you can live for Christ even in a superior way. You can be pure and blameless. Do you know it says there, the day of Christ is coming. Do you know one day Jesus is going to come back? It could be very soon. Do you know the Bible says during the time of tribulation, there's going to be a lot of death. A lot of folks are going to die during the time of tribulation. I don't know if we're in the time of tribulation now. One of the ways to begin, I believe a few weeks ago, we were talking about the day the four horsemen will come. But a lot of folks will die. The coronavirus won't look like anything compared to the death that will occur during the time of tribulation. But what he's saying is even during tribulation, even during social isolation, you can continue to live a pure and blameless life for Jesus Christ. And that is the superior life that God has called you to live. Do you know, you have two options right now. Two options with your attitude. Two weeks ago I preached on attitude. It's one where... um, I guess the theme just keeps coming up because when you're um, sitting at home watching TV, especially if you're watching the news, it's easy to get uh, one of these attitudes. Number one, you can complain. And I tell you, there's a lot to complain about right now. I mean, you could complain about anything with government. You could complain the government is opening too soon. Or you could be on the other side saying, we just need to keep everything closed. So whichever side you're on, say, we just need to keep keep the shutdown going. You can go up to Frankfurt and complain. You can complain about the president. You can complain about your family. You can complain on social media. You can complain at church. I mean, there's just, during, during this period, it's easy to sit around and find yourself just griping all the time. But Christ is saying, and it's certainly someone like Paul who's in prison, He would be tempted to complain. While Paul was in prison, he thrived. He was not griping. He was thriving. And that's what we're going to see here. And I want to show you this. You can complain or thrive. And here's how. Your attitude determines your approach to life. And right now, this is your time to really look and say, what is my attitude? 
How am I treating the other folks in the house? Am I, am I kind? Am, am I just, am I dragging other people down? But it is, your attitude is determining your approach right now. And Paul's attitude was one of incredible positive. Number two, your attitude determines your success or failure. Paul used that word superior. You could use this quarantine period of really growing greatly in the Lord. I call a lot of folks in the afternoon and evening. And some of you have been doing intense, deep Bible study. Some of you have watched every show Netflix has ever produced. It's true, I know. Some of y'all told and you've wasted your quarantine. And this is your attitude. Your success. Say, say, Lord, I use this period. And I want to tell you, you only have a few more weeks. So if you need to do something, David, now's your time. It's ticking away. Everything soon is going to reopen. So if there's something you've got to do, if you want to start using your this time, this can be where you give these last two or three weeks, maybe of quarantine, Social distancing. Say, I'm going to give this to God. I made this promise, this commitment, and it's already made. It's ticking away. It's slipping through my fingers. You're going to, you're going to wake up and it's going to be June. And all of a sudden, life has maybe somewhat returned to normal, if you say that. Although I don't think for a lot of us we need to return to normal. There needs to be a new normal. And that could be a time where we see here where, where we have grown spiritually and you've come out of this period closer and deeper for your affection. Paul used that word affection. That means he had a, he had a deep passion for the Lord. You look at your period. Say, this period of social distancing. Be a, unlike any other in your lifetime. You'll look back and you'll, you'll talk about this. Sherry and I were talking about it. Uh, when all this is over, we're going to make a picture book just recording these two, three months so the children will grow up and go, this is what it was like when the world shut down for three months. It was different. These are the things we did. Success or failure. Now look at this. Last one. Just because you're a Christian does not mean your attitude is always good. Did you know that? If you're a believer, that does not mean by default you have a good attitude. The book of Philippians, Paul cares about the attitude of the church in Philippi. God cares about your attitude, believer. He cares about the attitude of the people here at Broadway Baptist Church. He cares about the attitude of how you or I are treating other people. Because it's, it's easy to find yourself in the dumps right now. It's easy to become a complainer. You know, you're maybe a little tired of being around your family. You said, I've been around them a lot lately. Even maybe the dog's getting tired of you. He's going for a walk, the dog over and over and over again. And at some point, God is saying, you need to move from being a complainer to a thriver. So many of you are saying, how? How do I do that? Tell me, Daniel. 
You know, and the answer for us as how is <clears throat> I have an acronym up here, JOY. The acronym of JOY. And you say, why JOY? I know Book of Philippians is like, and I was even looking at my coffee mugs this morning. It's like where you get the coffee mug quote on. Do you have a coffee mug? I tell you, um, and I meant to announce, sorry, if you're watching this, I want you to list right now where you're watching from, wherever you're at. You write, list your city so you can see where you're at. And if you have a coffee mug right now, I want you to take a picture of it. But it has to have a Bible verse from the book of Philippians. So if you have that, you just put that in the comment section and we can see your Philippian coffee mug cup. But I was looking at ours and we, we actually didn't have Philippians surprisingly. But um, out of this book here, the book of Philippians, we tend to get these uh, Bible verses because it's a very joyous book. And when you think of joy, and Paul uses that word joy, this is actually a good acronym during a time of social distancing and isolation for you to get your priorities in order. Here is how God wants you to thrive. Number one, J is for Jesus. Your focus right now should be on the Lord. You should be spending more time with Jesus than probably you ever have in your spiritual life. You should be reading your Bible. You should be listening to sermons. You know, my attitude is I think Christians on Sunday morning, they should be participating in their own local church worship. And hopefully you're doing that right now at 10 a.m. with our live worship. You need, to, you need to belong and participate in your local church and listen to your local pastor. Now, the rest of the week, because I'm right there in the camp with you, there's a million and other one pastors all over. I listen to all sorts of sermons from all people from literally all over the world. But on Sunday morning, that's when you say, okay, I'm going to go to my ch local church. Remember, Paul is writing, the church in Philippi was a physical church that he planted, that's meeting on Sundays, that's worshiping the Lord. Your focus should be on Jesus. On Sunday mornings, it's on your local church. Other times, you can watch other preachers. We should be using this period to grow closer to Jesus. Number two, here's how you have joy. Here's how you thrive. Number two, it's others. Who are you calling? I want to encourage you to do telephone ministry. Think about someone that you have not spoken to or you haven't heard from in the past two months. You need to call them this week. You need to check on them. Send them a text of just encouragement. Others. Who can I reach out to? I've been so proud of our deacons here at Broadway. And if you have not heard from your deacon, you need to tattletale on them and let me know and I'll let them know. They are calling their folks. At least the ones I've talked to have told me. And people enjoy that. They're hearing from other people. They're investing and checking up on what they're up to. That is other-centered ministry. Now is not the time to do me-centered. 
It's not the time to sit around thinking, Lord, what, uh, uh, what about me? You should be focusing on others. Now, I want you all to think about this. Paul is sitting in prison. The Bible says he had chains. And he's writing letters to about others. And this, all these verses here, we are so happy to hear from you. We have so much affection for how you're growing in the Lord. With your superior love. Look how positive that is. Other-centered focused. You can go out in, through phone, through mailing a card, through uh, leaving a gift on the front porch. Jesus wants you during times of quarantine, to be living an other-centered life. And then lastly, in this order, is yourself. In yourself, you want to make sure that after the Lord, after others, then you say, God, how, how, are, how are you speaking to me about my attitude? But I want to tell you, when you get Jesus and others in the priority, yourself falls right in line. It's tempting it's dangerous in our culture of a me-centered world. The world does not revolve around you. It doesn't revolve around me. During this period, Christ is saying, are you going to have joy? Are you going to thrive? Are you going to take special time for intense spiritual growth? So, I want to give you an action plan. I want to tell you about something. Thursday, today is May 3rd. Thursday is the first Thursday in the month of May. Which means it is National Day of Prayer. And again, I'm going to give you a history of this up here on the board. National Day of Prayer, actually, it, it first showed up in 1775, the First Continental Congress, they declared a national day of prayer. That our young nation, at that point we were a colony, it needed to pray. We were about to have a revolutionary war. You're going to war, what do you want? Back in Bible times, they called the prophets. What did they do in America? They had a national day of prayer and fasting. They prayed for their nation. Now listen, if they're about to go into a revolutionary war against Great Britain, and they're calling for prayer with the Continental Congress, shouldn't we, here at this coronavirus, this pandemic, we have a National Day of Prayer? I believe Thursday's National Day of Prayer is probably the most important National Day of Prayer in our lifetime. And it's coming up four days away, Thursday. And I'm going to ask you this week, I want you to put it on your calendar. I created a Facebook event for it on the church Facebook page as a reminder so that you will get a notification to remember to stop that Thursday. You go get alone with God and say, I'm going to spend intense time in prayer. The Bible, they used King David when he was making a major decision. He called upon the prophets. Elijah was a prophet. He would go and tell Ahab what to do. Ahab would not listen. 
We want our national day of prayer for the believers to call out to the Lord. It first started in 1775. When our country was divided in 1863, President Abraham Lincoln, who was born here in Kentucky, called for such a day. He asked for a national day of prayer. You know why? Because they're in a civil war. And when you're in a civil war, you need the Lord. You need the Lord every day, but especially if you're in a civil war. Harry S. Truman, he had Congress establish the National Day of Prayer, and he signed it as an event, an annual event, 1952. President Ronald Reagan, he's the one that amended this law from 1952 to 1988, and he designated the National Day of Prayer as the first Thursday in May. So this National Day of Prayer isn't something that you or I are making up. This started with the First Continental Congress going into the Revolutionary War. And here we are in 2020, and Thursday is National Day of Prayer. I want to tell you why we need to pray. I was, uh, you know, I follow the news, which is dangerous sometimes when you watch the news. And yeah, I'm just curious some of the things that was going on in New York because I want you to especially pray for the New York region because they really have, the folks up there, they've really been hit by this. New York, New Jersey, by the coronavirus. There's a lot of death still occurring. Even though areas are opening up, maybe here in the south, up there it's not. They're, they're struggling, they're hurting. But I just want to sh tell you, one of the things we participate every fall in is Operation Christmas Child. And you all, we made, what, 200-plus shoeboxes? And that's with Franklin Graham's Samaritan's Purse organization. Samaritan's Purse is a relief ministry. And one of the things they do is they pack shoeboxes for all the other nations. And in those shoeboxes, they have gospel tracts, and they advance Bibles, and uh, folks get saved. Just very fruitful, powerful ministry. Well... Over a month ago, Samaritan's Purse, led by Billy Graham's son, Franklin, they set up in Central Park a, basically a tent hospital. A hospital there for overflow COVID patients. And they started treating them. And it was a wonderful ministry. You know, back in the old days, the hospitals were actually started by churches and by the Christians. That's why we, they're called Baptist Hurt. That's health. That's why it's St. Joseph's. Your, your, your orphanage and your hospitals were all started by, 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 uh, by churches, by uh, uh, Christian agencies. That's where they came from. And that's a ministry that Samaritan's Purse does. And I thought that was fantastic. But do you know the city council speaker, his name is Corey Johnson. Now, I'm telling you this story because this is, this is our nation, what I'm about to tell you. I was shocked when I, well, I wasn't shocked. I mean, it's sad how calloused we've become. Corey Johnson, publicly on Friday, who's the speaker and the, I guess the chair of New York City City Council, came out and said that Samaritan's Purse now needs to leave. They're not needed anymore in, in Central Park. And the reason why they need to leave is because of Franklin Graham. Because of his beliefs of hate, he, he promotes, according to Mr. Johnson, hate speech, bigotry, and he believes marriage is between a man and a woman. That is what the city council 
speaker is saying about health care hospitals they're trying to serve their city in Central Park. And, and he's saying it's time to move on. Just, just get out of our town because of your Christian beliefs. Do you know when we read something like that, we see the opposition to Bible-believing Christians. Franklin Graham, I want to tell you about him. He is the son of Billy Graham. Billy Graham passed away two years ago in 2018, in March 2018. Billy Graham, in 1957, was a young evangelist. Billy Graham was a Southern Baptist. He held a crusade at Madison Square Garden, where the New York Knicks play today, in 1957. And the crusade was so successful that it, they extended it. They just kept on adding week after week. It went on for 16 weeks. And you can Google the pictures. Packed crowds. 20,000 people sitting, listening to Reverend Graham preach this book right here. Same old book. Same book I'm preaching out of today. He probably quoted scripture from Philippians. Over 2 million people heard that revival. And the last night it was actually at Yankee Stadium. The old Yankee Stadium before they tore it down a few years ago. Over 61,000 people gave their life to Christ at that crusade. New York City, listen to this, David gave them a key to the city. They were so appreciative. In 1957, of Reverend Graham, he got a key to the city. 1957. Billy Graham wouldn't even recognize the New York City today. Our nation needs the Lord. Our nation needs is in desperate need for you and I to fall to our knees on Thursday and cry out. I mean, even a Christian hospital isn't even welcome to serve because they believe the Bible. That is how far our country and even our world have drifted from the Lord. Will you join me Thursday, National Day of Prayer? Will you put it on your calendar? Will you say, I am going to pray for my nation? I'm going to pray for my president, my governor, my family, my church, my pastor, my music minister, my Sunday school teacher. I'm going to pray for my neighbors, my mayor. The people all around me pray that the pandemic ends and that people just don't return to normal. There's a spiritual revival that occurs that people turn to the Lord. Our nation is desperate to return. It needs to return to the Lord. Do you know, unfortunately, Christians aren't known for our love. We read these passages here from Philippians, how Paul has this affection Unfortunately, Christians, what we're known, I mean, for somehow we've became known for basically what we're against. I would tell you, you know, this book, the book of Philippians we just read, Paul did not rebuke the church. 
They were living for the Lord, and He encouraged them. I want you to know, if you're living for the Lord, and a lot of you are, I'm so proud of you, this time of quarantine. And this is encouragement. God's saying you can do more. Continue to live a holy and blameless and superior life. And part of that is saying, I'm going to join me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord and we're going to spend devoted time praying for our nation and our world on Thursday. Wrapping this up, what do we see here? Call to action. What am I asking you to do this morning? I'm asking you to read the book of Philippians this whole month. The book of Philippians is one of those that you can re- read it over and over again. Incredible scripture in here. Number two, I'm going to ask you to examine your attitude. Are you thriving? And if you're not thriving, if you don't know how to thrive, just think of joy. Jesus, others, yourself. That's how you thrive. You focus on Jesus. You focus on serving other people. You're going to thrive spiritually. And this week, call to action your plan. I want you to pray on Thursday. How powerful would it be if millions of Christians across our country are praying that God will use the coronavirus to bring revival and healing to our land, especially New York City, especially Washington, D.C., especially the city centers that are just shaping the direction of our, of our nation. We are in desperate need for you and I to fall to our knees. Go lead us in a prayer. If you just tuned in and you don't know Jesus, you aren't saved. I've been preaching about how to have a joyous attitude towards the Lord. And you say, Daniel, I don't have that. I want you to bow your head right now. Wherever you're at, listening. You bow your head and you close your eyes. And I want you to raise your hands up to the Lord. And I want you to pray this prayer along with me. Dear Jesus, I need you. I fall to my knees. I raise my hands. Lord, heal me. Forgive me. Save me of my sins. From this day on, I'm living for you, Lord. Jesus, thank you for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. I want you to look up. If you prayed and received Jesus this morning, you're watching this online, I want you to send send me a message. Send our team here on Facebook a message, and we'll be able to follow up with you. You let us know how we can minister to you in your new relationship, your new walk with the Lord. I'm so glad you were able to join us. I hope you, especially this week, Thursday, you make that a priority. Join me in National Day of Prayer. We've got a closing song here with David Dell. All right, thank you for joining us online this morning. We're glad you joined us. I'd encourage you to come Wednesday night. Look back online as Pastor Daniel leads in a Wednesday night Bible study at 6.30. We're going to sing, Oh, How He Loves You and Me. Oh, how He loves you and me. Oh, how He loves you and me.
Jesus loves you today. Goodbye.